All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Classic Celtics. Now, what better guy to bring in than the truth, the captain, P-squared Paul Pierce for this game, which is game six of the NBA Finals in 2008, the championship clincher. So, Paul, first of all, how you been? What's been going on? How you been enjoying all the, the, the quarantine, hanging out by yourself and stuff like that? Man, I don't know. I'm about to go crazy. But I know one thing, since I've been inside, my cooking skills has gone up. I know that much. But, uh, you know, it is what it is in these tough times. I just wish everybody out there the best. You know, stay. stay. I'm staying out the way. And that's all you can really do right now. You know, it's a tough time right now when we're going through. All right. When you think back to this, right? so let's go between game five and game six. From from going to L.A. to all the way up until this game, like what was going through your mind? You know what? I remember game five because I was so disappointed because I thought we would win game five. I would never forget it. Um, I wanted to win that game so bad, and I felt like I let us down at the end of the game because at the end of game five, Kobe uh, reached from behind, knocked the ball out. That was a, a chance for me to go hit the go-ahead bucket or us for us to score the go-ahead bucket for the, for the lead. And so that whole – I remember the plane ride home, how devastated I was. And I just knew we were in a great comfort zone once we went home. We were so dominant at home all year long, all through the playoffs. I believe we only lost, like, one home game in the playoffs. So I just knew – that since we didn't win game five, coming for game six, they was going to be in some trouble. Yeah. Was there any part of you that was thinking, you know what, it'd be great to win it at home in front of the fans? Let me tell you something. Sam Cassell had 100 Moet bottles at his house in L.A. for after the game if we had a one in L.A. We had restaurant reservations. This is stuff, Scott, I don't even know if you knew. We had restaurant reservations at Katana. We had 100 bottles of Moet champagne ready to go, and it all went to waste at Sam Cassell's house that day. He, I remember talking to him as we lost game five, and I was like, well, what you going to do with those bottles? You going to ship them to Boston if we win? <laughs> Sam so like, nah, P, I'll, I'll use them. I'll use them this summer. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, we got the Moet bottles and the restaurant reservations. It all goes to waste. But what doesn't go to waste is this game. First quarter, we'll be back with you guys right after the first quarter. Here we go. All right. So that was the first quarter. As you could see, Kobe Bryant, he got off a little bit early. But then guys like James Posey came in. What was your mindset in that quarter? You started out 0 for 5. Well, I just feel like uh, the way I played the game, uh, you know, a lot of people recognize me as being a scorer, but I felt like I really affected the game in so many different other ways. And so I wasn't really worried about not knocking down shots, you know. So I knew I could create plays uh, on the offensive end by getting others involved. Uh, I knew I could affect the game by rebounding and defending. And we said we had so many other weapons that can take pressure off me on the offensive end. And so that's why I was never worried about starting off slow. With Kobe coming out hot, was that something that was a like, high level of concern because, you know, what he's capable of doing? I mean, you know, Kobe is going to be Kobe. And that's why if you look at that series, we rarely even double-teamed Kobe. We knew he was capable of going off. Our main concern was stopping the role guys because if you ever notice in these games that we lost, the role players played big. Derek Fisher, 
Pau Gasol. Those are the guys I was more concerned about. You know, Kobe can go out and get his 30 and 40, but if we can contain these other guys, it gave us the best chance at winning. Now, I've listened to everything you've ever put out there, podcasts, your shows, everything. You always praise James Posey. He did a great job in that oh, first quarter defensively and knocking down big shots. Let me tell you about James. He is one of my favorite players all time. He took so much pressure off of me, Scal, because – he guarded my man. He would come in and give me defensive breaks. You know, times where I had to guard Kobe, times where I had to guard LeBron James. You know, it, it's tough when you're asked to have so much responsibility on the offensive end and the defensive end to maintain that all game. And so when he came in, he took a lot of pressure off me. So I'd be like, James, I need a break. You know, won't you go over and give, uh, guard Kobe for the next four or five minutes? You know, I can focus more on the offensive end. You know, because it's tough when you got to focus defense and offense all game long, uh, especially playing a guy like Kobe. He took tremendous pressure off of me. So we, we know this game ends in a blowout. But at this point right now, this game's a tight game. It could go either way. We'll see where yeah. it all changes here in the second quarter. All right, well, there you have it. Like, the second quarter really started to open up. And you can feel the defensive dominance of not just the starters, KG, Paul. It was also Posey, Eddie House. Talk about, yeah. like, how the, those, those role players came in and they just maintained the same level of defensive intensity. Well, I mean, we have role players that could have been starters on any other team. I mean, like you said, James Posey, Eddie House, they provided great veteran presence on the defensive end, the offensive end, they could knock down shots, and they always gave us a boost. You know, these guys were our energy guys. You know, Doc would pull us out early if he started starting off sluggish and put these guys in, but they really changed the game. And uh, what people don't know, the lineup where we have Posey at the three, me at the four, Eddie House at the one, Ray and KG was our most deadly lineup. And so when he put these guys in, that lineup was capable of really going off because we had shooting all over the floor. We got guys that can make plays. And that was a very tough lineup, you know, for any team to start to, to stop. And, like, you know, when, you, when we talked about the Golden State uh, death lineup, that was like our, our you know, Hamptons 5 lineup mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. And so when I knew when these guys came in, we had a chance to really extend the lead. Now, do you – are you thinking that this game is for a title while you're playing, or are you just kind of stuck in the, in the moment? Man, I'm thinking this is it. I don't want to play again tomorrow. Uh -huh. We're at home. We've been a dominant home team. I'm like, you could just feel it. I don't know. It's just something about the garden, man. You could just feel it. It was like when the momentum was going, you know what type of runs we were capable of. I mean, we had so many blowouts that year. We were capable of putting together 20 old runs or 15 old runs any given moment because how dominant our defense was. So you could just feel it, especially being at home with the crowd momentum. Yeah, I want to get into the crowd because a lot of people say it's because of the 9 o'clock start in Boston versus the 6 o'clock start in L.A., but it is a completely different animal in Boston. Like, like how does that – is that part of the dominance that we had? Absolutely. I mean, just pulling up to the arena where you've seen everybody just all in the streets coming from the bars. And it was just like when we was in the locker room, but before the game, and you hear the chance of beat L.A. And, you know, it's hard to hear in the locker room. Yeah. Our crowd was that energetic. I just remember hearing that from the locker room. And it just it's just something about the energy of that building, man. That's why we were so dominant at home throughout the playoff run. What were you thinking 
like so at halftime right now, the, we, the score 58 35, uh, Celtics in 26 to 6 at the end of the half. Yeah. What are you thinking about at halftime in the locker room? I'm thinking like we are too good of a team to give up a 20 point lead. I'm like this is this is uh, this is all us boys. Yeah, this is our championship to bring home. We were too good. I don't think we've ever given up a 20 point lead that whole year. And so I'm like, great teams don't do that. And so we just like, look, let's just put our foot on the gas pedal and push the lead even more. We don't even want to give them the day of light because they do have a great player over there, one of the greatest players on that other side. And his name is Kobe Bryant. So anything can happen. Yeah, so start of the third, foot on the throat. Let's take a look at the third right here. Hey there, it's Tom Haberstroh, your national NBA insider for NBC Sports and host of the Haberstroh podcast. With the NBA season being suspended, I talked to Salt Lake Tribune's Andy Larson, who was there with the Utah Jazz when the coronavirus scare hit the NBA. I'll also talk with CNBC sports business reporter Eric Chemi to break down the business side of the NBA shutdown. Two important perspectives, one podcast episode. So download the Haberstroh now wherever you listen to podcasts. Wow, what a third quarter. You could, first of all, <laughs> talk about the energy. You could feel the energy oh from the crowd, gosh. no doubt about that. And then what, what also is, what if, Rajon Rondo, I mean, the guy is everywhere, defensively, offensively, hawking the ball. Like, how great was he for this team? Man, that was Rondo's coming out party that game, I believe, because as a he was in his second year, I believe, that year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the second year inconsistencies and, you know, trying to, about have a balance between giving the ball out to me, Ray, KG. You know, we had, you know, three all-stars. And that was Rondo's coming out party, man, because I'm telling you from that point on, that's when he became an all-star. That's when he became a superstar after that. And he was just saying, look, I belong. I'm here to stay. I'm the starting point guard in my second year on the championship team. And that just shows where – where Rondo's career ended up going after that game because he was a guy who can dominate on defense, rebounding. He could score at times. His and we don't need to talk about his assist and the way he stole the ball. He just had so many ways to affect the game. Uh, you know, speaking of All-Star, I know down at All-Star break, you guys convinced P.J. Brown. Like, first of all, how did the meeting go with P.J. Brown to get him to sign? And what a meeting because so many times P.J. saved our, our butts. Oh, let me tell you the story. So I'm in traffic heading to my hotel All-Star Weekend. And traffic is crazy All-Star Weekend. And it was in New Orleans. So I'm in traffic in the car and I see P.J. Brown crossing the street. I jump out my car. I run to P.J. say, P.J., please, we need you. Like, I don't know what it was instinctively that said P.J. is the guy. P.J. is a guy we need, the tough guy to just, you know, commit the hard fouls, guard the tough centers in the league. And I just jumped out, and I was like, man, you need to think about coming back. I know you're not with nobody. I got, got his number, called him, put him in touch with Danny, and, and then that's the end of the story. Next thing I know, we got P.J. Brown midseason. That was yeah. a huge pickup for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a combination of veteran leadership, toughness and consistency and when you have yeah. stars like we had stars it's not about being another star it's about no. being consistent and he was as consistent as they come remember during the atlanta series he had dmps early on and then he came yeah. back the cleveland series he was big the big. finals he was big 
big in the finals and controlling Paul Gasol, setting hard picks. He was so physical. When I look at that versus Paul Gasol, he didn't, Paul Gasol didn't want nothing to do with P.J. No. Brown. No. It was like, it's almost hilarious. I just remember one play, and I forget what game was. I drove off a of pick and roll, and P.J. just flat out tackles Paul Gasol. And I go in for a dunk. And I look at the play, and I'm like, how is that not a foul? He pretty much cleared Paul Gasol out the way. And I go in for my only dunk of the finals. <laughs> I, I always thought it was so funny. He would foul a dude so hard. The dude would hit the floor. Then he'd reach out and help the dude up. And But everybody else would be a fight. Because it's P.J. Brown, like one of the most respected guys. He was totally right. fine with it. All right, so, so where are you at at this point? You've got to be thinking, like, all right. I mean, we're close to a wrap at this point. It's after the third. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, but it's, there's so much at stake. So where's your mindset? I'm like, this has been a long time coming, Scal. I see the championship. I'm looking up at the crowd. I'm looking up at banners. I'm like, it's our time. We putting one of those up there. We talking about it on the sideline. I'm like, when you were up 30-plus points and you rolling at home, nothing was going to stop us then. I'm like, this is it. This Did is you- it. You think about all that work that you put in that year. Do you like? Do you reflect man, back on all, everything? It's amazing, man. Because I think about not only the work that we put in that year. I think about the nine years I put in in Boston and the ups and downs. I think about the year before having one of the worst seasons uh, in our franchise history, winning like twenty four games, going on an eighteen game losing streak. A lot of doubts if I'm if I'm going to get traded, and to go full swing from one of the worst teams in the league to on the brink of winning the championship. Amazing. Yeah, right now, Celtics up 29, heading into the fourth. fourth. Fourth is about to get entertaining. Man, up 30, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to start dancing. There's no way we give it up a 30-point lead. I don't, you could put the top five players of all time on the court, and we wouldn't give up that lead. All right, let's take a look. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Man, what a night in Boston. Like, the thing that really stands out to me, pure joy when you, KG, and and Doc were hugging on the sidelines. Just, like, everything that we went through from Rome to that moment right there. Like, this – what at that point? What what was that? What was that feeling like? Oh, uh, it was the best feeling in the world because you think about all the years from the time I started playing basketball. This is what it was all about. This is what it's all about: making it to the NBA, winning a championship, and then doing it with the Boston Celtics. I'm hugging everybody. I, I, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm ecstatic. I'm just like, man, these are my brothers for life. We everybody knows what we go through every day in practice. Every day is not always smooth. We have arguments. But it's all for this moment, and you, you can't, you can't, it just, those moments will never go away, man. They live with you forever because you accomplished something as a team, and team sports is hard. You know, just getting everybody on the same page and for a common goal and then achieving that goal, it's the most amazing feeling in the world. Well, who, whose idea was it to do the Gatorade thing? 
Dude, you know what? I just, I don't, I was just so excited. I didn't know. I couldn't think of nothing. I, so I was like, man, we up 30 points, and I'm on the sideline watching the fourth quarter. I had to do something. I was like, man, all these Gatorade baths, they doing the football. Why we can't do it in basketball? <laughs> so I just like, man, this is a perfect opportunity. How can Doc get mad if we're up 30? No, Doc's and, not going to get mad. Oh <laughs> Everybody <my God>. else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I'm on the port of Gatorade. He deserved this. This is what championship coaches get when they win the Super Bowl. So I said, we could do this in the NBA. When, when you're looking around at the arenas, you see Bill Russell, uh, Hondo, oh, Tommy Heinz, you see all the legends. What's that like? I just felt like I, I, I made them proud and we made them proud. It's because you, you live under all these banners every day. You live, live under the Celtic legacy. And this is expectations when you play for Boston. We don't put the conference banners up. We don't put the divisional banners up. We only play for one thing, and that's championship. And these guys have cemented Celtic, the Celtic lure. You know, it's just they are the people, the guys that started this. And it's just like to just be able to kind of like say, here, we did it for you guys. You know, you guys are the ones who just really started the legacy of the Celtics. You know, Bill Russell, Hondo, Havlicek, seeing these guys in stance, JoJo White. You know, got a lot of people that are here with us today. But, you know, these are the guys I just remember years and years. They always came to the game over the years. This wasn't their first time. They came all the time doing losing and winning. And so when we finally won, it was just like, wow, I feel like I can breathe. I feel like I can breathe, Scout. What, what, what did it do for you? Like, before you won a championship, after you won a championship, what's the biggest difference in your mind for you, for Paul Pierce? You know, I've always been a player – who had to earn everything he had. I had to be, I was that player that had to earn respect. I mean, this started all the way back from the draft night. I was projected to be the number two pick. I slid to number 10. All right. I just wanted a guy that wanted to earn some of my respect amongst the, my peers around the league because I felt like it was there kind of, but, you know, winning a championship really put it over the top. And I always tell people, you know what, I've always been the Rodney Dangerfield of the NBA, a guy that just kind of floats under the radar, gets no respect. But once we won that chip, I, I seen the look uh, uh, at Paul Pierce was a little bit different in them summer gyms. When, when did you know that this team was going to win it? Like, what part of the season were you like, man, this is different? Was it day one in Rome or was it somewhere in the middle of that year? Man, Scott, we talked about it from day one. That's, that's the thing. Doc always said, if you want to accomplish something, you got to talk about it. You always got to say, look, when we get to the finals, look, we're going to the finals. I just remember being on the back of the bus with Ray KG, like, it's middle of the season. And you know what our conversation, what our conversations was? Man, when we win the championship, we should go to Italy. We should go back to Rome. We should, we should do a big vacation. I'm serious. This was the conversation in the middle of the season, like, what we going to do? You have to see it first in order to accomplish something. I always believe that. You have to envision it. And that was our vision all year long. Yeah, what was it like do, going through this journey? I, once again, like I said, I, I, I read, I listen to all your stuff. Your relationship with Kevin Garnett started way back when. What was it like going through this journey yeah. with him? Man, it was amazing because the thing we always talk about, we met in high school and we played one tournament together. No, and I, it was, I'll, give, I'll give the people a little backdrop. I guess you always – Finish second. You always finish second oh, until man. KG showed up. <laughs> until KG showed up. The one tournament we finished second in, 
three years in a row. KG comes in. We win the championship. Pack crowd. It's the biggest invitational tournament in Vegas uh, at the time. And we win it. And it was just like when we look back and we tell those stories to each other and we talk about our championship in Boston, we always say, man, we were supposed to link up like three or four years before this. I mean, could you imagine me and KG and in our early 20s or just mid-20s? Oh, man, we probably would have been sitting on like three or four championships. Because that was that that proved to be a great combination, uh, especially uh, you know the inside outside threat and our relationship as being brothers and it was amazing. One, one another thing that I don't know if it's like this other places, but the amount of characters, whether it be the players, front <laughs> office, the guys behind the scenes, the Johnny <laughs> Joes of the world, like there's so many characters in Boston oh and being God. on that journey. Once again, the journey. Like, what was winning a championship with that group of guys was completely would be completely different than any place else. Uh, it's amazing, man. We had a group of very interesting characters, man. You could do a movie about every single person on no that doubt. team. Uh, very outgoing, very strong willed, a um, lot of energy in that locker room every day, a lot of energy. And I think. KG raised the energy because it was, you know, I was being in the locker room. Just when he walked in, it's just like the, the, the room changed, you know, it, just like his presence. And, no you know, it was very uplifting and, and, you know, it's just, he just uplifted the room. And, you know, he really brought the culture uh, to Boston, I must say. Uh, Paul, I really appreciate you coming by, man, doing this. This is uh, – it, it, was, it was cool to relive these quarters once again. Like I said, I completely forgot how this game unfolded. All I remember was the Gatorade at the end. But uh, I really appreciate you stopping by and doing this for us. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, this is awesome. Anytime. All right, you got it.